Thanks to the two Johnnies, it's Thursday the 17th of November and this is Game On. Coming up today, Brendan Devenny pays tribute to retiring Donegal great Michael Murphy. 45 metres out from the target. Beautifully in there to Murphy. Great shot, great goal! Two minutes and 25 seconds on the clock when he got that. Keen Tracy is in studio on a busy rugby news day as Andy Farrell names the Irish team to face Australia. Plus, we have two tickets to the game to give away. We're live to Qatar to check in with Tony O'Donoghue ahead of the World Cup. And Stephen Elliott sets us up for the Republic of Ireland versus Norway tonight in the Aviva Stadium. If you want to get in touch, you can text us on 51552 or tweet at GameOn2FM. Keen Tracy is with me in studio and we do have a competition. Aldi has partnered with the IRFU since 2016, providing substantial investment in the Aldi Play Rugby programme, aimed at encouraging school children to get active, take part in regular exercise and eat healthily. Participation in the programme has increased by almost 50% since Aldi began its sponsorship. And today, thanks to Aldi, you have the chance to win two tickets to Ireland versus Australia this Saturday at the Aviva. All you have to do to be in with the chance to win is answer the following question. Who is the current Ireland head coach? Text your answer, county and email address to 51552 and we will announce the winner before the end of the show. As always, or to competition terms and conditions apply. See 2fm.ie for details. Key and Tracy, you're very welcome along. We have an Ireland team to face Australia this weekend and the good news is that uh, Ireland's injuries have cleared up. Yeah, I think that probably became apparent earlier in the week, Marie. So no major surprises really, but particularly when you saw Johnny Sexton doing his captain's media as normal yesterday and the, the players who were carrying Knox all came through training earlier in the week. So no major surprises. I think that the big kind of question mark would be was if Bondiaki would come straight back into the team instead of Stuart McCloskey Bundiaki has just completed his eight week ban which re- was reduced to seven because he went to tackling school um, which yeah, believe it or not is actually a thing um, but I'm pretty pleased to see that Andy Farrell has stuck with Stuart McCloskey mm-hmm. to be honest he was really good for the 20 or so minutes he was on against South Africa obviously went off it looked like a broken arm recovered and didn't quite go so as well against Fiji but I think that was more certainly not on Stuart McCloskey it was more reflection I think of just a kind of a flat performance underwhelming as Andy Farrell put it so I think it's a good it's good to back form and it also sends a good message as well to a guy who's coming back after a long ban that you can't just basically walk Mm -hmm. back into the team and I think that's been a hallmark of this Andy Farrell tenure I think in you know the previous regime I would say there'd be no doubt that the first choice player would be coming back into the team but I think it's hugely encouraging that Andy Farrell is is rewarding form yeah, that is quite interesting that you think in the previous mm. uh, regime that it would have been different. I just think in the previous regime, particularly towards the end of Joe Schmidt, that a lot of senior guys got very comfortable in in their positions and you weren't quite sure. Like e- Even if they weren't at the top of their game, they were, go- they were going to be in the team. And I think, you know, Stuart McCloskey is probably a good example because his face never fit really under Joe Schmidt. Um, he won, I think, three caps, maybe four caps under Schmidt. And Andy Farrell, as he does, kind of, you know, with a lot of players like James Gibson Park is another one, you know, he sees players in, in a different light and he, you know James Gibson Park wasn't even first choice for Leinster when he picked him now he's one of the best scrum halves in the world so I think it's it's encouraging to see Sir McCloskey bring his form for Ulster I think we've spoken about mm-hmm. it in the past in the show he's been a huge part I think of Ulster's revival and why their attack has been so good and we're finally starting to see that bring forward onto the international stage and it's also good that he gets a chance to you know hopefully get a full game playing outside uh, Johnny Sexton and inside Gary Ringrose because a few of his other caps he was kind of thrown in against you know tier two nations when it was a second string team and it's very difficult to stand mm. out in those kind of games when you're not playing with the, the main one so there's no excuses now and I think you know he's probably feeling much more settled than he was at the start of the month so like I said I think it's, it's a good move by Andy Farrell So what does he offer then? He offers power, um, unbelievably strong um, in midfield, but I think he's worked very hard on other aspects of his game, uh, his kicking, his offloading, his passing. We saw plenty of glimpses of all of those aspects, I think, in um, the Fiji game last weekend. You know what you're going to get in terms of being a big, strong runner, and I think he got branded maybe as a bit of a crash ball merchant under Joe Schmidt, but, you know, Dan Soper has come in in Ulster as well, and Dan McFarlane, and they've really pushed him, I think, out of his comfort zone, because he has always had these skills, like we see, see it for Ulster like his offloading game and he's bringing that forward now to, to Ireland and you know he's forming it's it's it obviously unfortunate that Robbie Henshaw is missing out through injury but 
it sends a good message that you have a guy like Bundyaki to come off the bench and Andy Farrell will definitely be keen to get him some game time he hasn't played in a couple of months and it's not really a slide on Bundyaki at all but you just shouldn't be able to just walk back into a team particularly after uh, almost a a two month ban so yeah look it's fair but like in top level sports that's not always uh, what what happens like fairness doesn't always come into it no and another point worth mentioning which I think was more relevant maybe in the past as well is that Bundyaki is a centrally contracted player which generally meant that if you're centrally contracted you you got to the team now that's just kind of unofficially no one would ever kind of admit to that but if you're centrally contracted you are one of the top Mm -hmm. earners in the country you are generally one of the top guys so regardless of form you you had a good chance of sneaking in there so again Bundyaki became the first centrally contracted Connacht player which was huge but again I think Stuart McCloskey has earned his chance and like I said to get to play outside Johnny Sexton inside Gary Ringrose is a brilliant chance I think for him to showcase more what he was about because he was going so well in that South Africa game a couple of weeks ago before he got injured so this is another chance to really leave a good mark on what is the last game of the year Okay well let's hear from Andy Farrell he was speaking to Michael Corcoran today We uh, were playing against an Australian side that's coming with nothing to lose and uh, we've all the respect for them uh, massively because because um, we know um, on an, any given day that they are a, a super side that um, are able to, to beat anyone as they have proved this year, you know, with, with New Zealand, South Africa, um, Argentina, etc. So it's a big game for us. It's a big game for us, something that we're looking forward to on Saturday night. You're, you're there to be knocked down, so to speak, you know, and you're becoming used to that because you're, you're not the team that people are chasing and Australia would love to take your scalp on Saturday night teams coming to uh, the Aviva nowadays uh, I suppose there's a little bit more uh, motivation for them if we want to start, stay up there near the top then we've we've got to get good at being hunted down and, and, and reacting in the, in, in the right manner and uh, uh, expecting everyone that we play to, to be at the best and us acting accordingly Does this have to be a better performance than the one against South Africa? Well, it'll be a different game anyway, so it'll be a different type of performance. We know that. We know that Australia like to hit you on the break. They like to, they like to play quick. They've got an aggressive uh, set piece, and you know they've they've got a lot of ball carriers within the side, and they're always going to come up with certain type of trick players from 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 set piece and goal line dropouts, etc. So um, we're expecting all of that. Uh, dealing with it is a, is a different matter, but it's something that we've prepared well for so far. There's only nine games left before you play your opening match in in the rugby world. Cup so anybody who's selected even this weekend you know the 1-23 to regardless when they come on they've got to take their chance well it is it's, a, it's an opportunity and for the lads uh, for the lads like 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 um, John McCarthy who's getting his first cap is obviously extra special for him and he wants to prove a point to everyone that he deserves a second one and a third one and a fourth one And but um, the lads that are you know over 50 caps it's, it's, it's their shirt to, 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 to push forward with it you know it's their, it's their shirt to be able to show everyone else that um, their performances uh, warrant uh, being picked again you know so um, at the same time the lads that's been in camp and gone home or are sat on the bench or are those 24th man you know I'm sure that they, they've they learned a lot over over the last six months and they're, they're so keen to, to push into that starting side and you know it's, uh, it's great competition and that's how it should be. Andy Farrell there speaking to Michael Corcoran a little bit later on. He mentioned Joe McCarthy there of Leinster. He is going to make his debut off the bench, all going to plan. So he is a 21-year-old second row. Sounds like Andy Farrell's really impressed with him. Yeah, they've been trying to fast track this guy for for a while. I think he went off in the Ireland A game with a head injury after only a couple of minutes. So I think for sure he was earmarked for the Fiji game for his debut, whether that was from the start or off the bench. Um, he's a big, big unit. The type of second row that Ireland probably don't produce too too many of a tight head lock. Um, not to get all technical but in terms of scrummaging he's just you know a, a big big unit like he got a lot to, he's got a lot to learn like you said he's still only 21 but it's a big show of faith in him mm-hmm. I think they put him into a game like this he was on the Ireland tour in the summer so he has been in and around the squad but a guy like Kieran Treadwell had done really well off the bench Ian Henderson is very close to return from injury as well but the Ireland definitely are looking at Joe McCarthy as to be part of that World Cup squad next week and like Michael Corcoran was saying there with Andy Farrell you know the, the time is running out for, for these guys to get their opportunity so I think it's hugely encouraging to see a guy like that on the bench you're not necessarily throwing him into the deep end but um 
he's going when you look at the I'm sure we'll get into it when you look at the Wallabies bench and what they're going to roll off Joe McCarthy's going to have his hands full to say the least Speaking of hands uh, you did uh, meet Will Skelton today who isn't starting although everybody was talking about him in the run up to this game and uh, shook hands with him a big unit as well yeah, well, Marie sat down. First of all, yeah, the, the Australian team were staying in the same hotel as the Norwegian football team. So, oh, really? yeah, there's a lot going on in that <laughs> wow. hotel, let me tell you. Um, yeah, jerseys everywhere and gear, but... Um, a lot of food, I'd say. A lot, of, Yeah, a lot of food, particularly to, to feed someone like Will Skelton. So he yeah. sat down initially at the chair and he, the, the table almost flipped over. And I'm not even joking because he is just... He's almost seven foot tall, 140, oh my 140 kg. Um, a big, big man. Like Leinster fans will know him very well because... Yeah. Even from his Saracens days and La Rochelle, particularly in last season Champions Cup final, he's caused them nightmares. So I think, you know, James Ryan will probably be happy to see him on the bench. But I think the fact that he is on the bench, along with uh, Taniela Tupo, who is another just freakishly good athlete, it sort of says to me that the Wallabies are hoping that, you know, they'll still be in touch with Ireland after an, an hour, 50 minutes, an hour, and they roll these guys off the bench. Actually, Will Skelton was joking earlier that, you know, it's kind of their version of the bomb squad and, you know, that South Africa use, and it really is. So uh, they've set out their stall. It's an interesting tactic. Um, I know Will Skelton had a bit of a calf injury earlier in the week, but I mean, if he's fit enough to be on the bench, he's surely fit enough to start. And I know it works for the Springboks really well, working, rolling off the the. the front row and the the big second rows that they have but to me I would pretty much prefer to be starting my, my strongest team and Will Skelton is definitely a guy like that and when you look at the damage that he's caused like I said against Leinster over the years and okay they're not playing Leinster this weekend but there's a lot of Leinster forwards in that Ireland pack so uh, I'm a bit surprised but like I said the Wallabies could have the last laugh if he comes off the bench and it makes a game telling difference I know when it's our own teams we're always more tuned in to what's happening when you think that Skelton was able to do damage three times, like how was he able to do that? How was he allowed to do that in, in three big games? I don't know that it, it did it get into the Leinster players' heads for, for for like the third time because he just did. He was such a destructive force. But like like I said in the tweet, like it, he he is just an enormous, <laughs> enormous man. And it's only when you're up close that you get a real kind of sense of it. Like you know, you have all these rangy, like tall second rows, but to have the bulk to go with it, and I'd imagine it's not easy to uh, to take him down. If his handshake is anything to go by, it's definitely not easy to to take him down. So I think I don't know that he get in the Leinster players' heads, but I think mm-hmm. you know someone like James. James Ryan is, I, I think, is co- close to his his best form that he showed in 2018 again. So I think he probably would have loved a crack at him, really, particularly having come through yeah. the summer and gone up against guys like Sam Whitelock and Brody Retallick. So um, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting tactic, but there's there's a lot to be encouraged about. I think from this Ireland team. I mean, you look at a guy like Jimmy O'Brien, and I was just thinking about earlier that like he's edged uh, Robert Balakoon mm-hmm. out of the team, which was probably the other major talking point, and it's been a bit of a disappointing probably be strong but Robert Balakun probably hasn't grabbed his opportunity over the last two games I mean Andy Farrell likes his wingers to be untidy like Matt Hansen mm-hmm. to come in off his wing get get involved and maybe Robert Balakun hasn't done enough of that but for a guy like Jimmy O'Brien I was just looking at it earlier he he started the month as starting on the wing for the Ireland A team. He obviously got called up because Robbie Henshaw was out. So he has played three different positions in three weeks, winning his first three caps. Like wow. that that is pretty phenomenal achievement. And he's a guy who like if you were picking a World Cup squad tomorrow, he would be absolutely nailed on. Whereas at the start of the month, you wouldn't have said that. And the funny thing is, if he'd been involved in that Ireland A game, not a lot of guys came mm-hmm. out of that with credit. So it just shows you how kind of fickle uh, top level sport is. But talk about a guy taking his opportunity. He's been absolutely immense. So he gets a start on the wing uh, this weekend and gives Ireland a left footed kicking option, which... They've obviously been missing with James Lowe out injured and Jacob Stockdale out of favour. So it's been a massively impressive rise from him. So Andy or Michael, one of them anyway, in the interview mentioned that there's actually Michael, that's only nine games left. Mm. So what does that mean for the number 10 position? What's going to happen now? In the the age-old question. The age-old question. The age-old question. Um... Well, like right now, again, if you're picking a uh, World Cup squad in the morning, Jack Crowley has kind of edged himself there. You, t- you talk about Jimmy O'Brien having a massive month. It's been a crazy few weeks for Jack Crowley when you consider that he started the season as Munster's third choice out half. Um, I still think the Ireland coaches are really going to want Kieran Frawley to be involved because he can play 12 as well. Now, Jack Crowley could play 15 as well, but I think they definitely like uh, Frawley. But Crowley did well when he came on last week. He, you know, he probably get game time again this week. He, like, given Johnny Sexton's 
injury record he could go down after five minutes at mm-hmm. the weekend and all of a sudden Jack Crowley is asked to play 75 minutes against Australia so but the the Ireland coaches have been super impressed with his uh, temperament his attitude his his willingness to to learn. I had a piece in him in the paper last weekend. I spoke to a few of his former coaches down in Bandon, and they all said the same thing. They actually said it was like um, came out a brilliant line that when he when he comes back into the school now, it's like Diego Maradona walking around because the the kids are just absolutely obsessed with him. This is a guy who's only in his early twenties, mm-hmm. so um, I think he's got a real level head in his shoulders. I think he's definitely. Gonna Keen, can, I, can I stop you? Though? Was that not a given for people in the international setup? Like those things that you described, his temperament, his willingness to learn, like is. Is is that are they all not like that? Like what's what's so different about him? I th- no, well, like you'd imagine it would be, but I mm-hmm. think he ha- he definitely has. I-, I believe he's a real like kind of student of the game. He wants to do all these extras, and that can become a cliche as well. But again, from speaking to his former coaches, he's the guy um, who wants to stay back after an extra hour. He's asking the coaches what's our plan for recovery. I mean, in, this is in school as a teenager, okay. so he's <laughs> yeah. definitely wired. I would say a yeah. little bit differently, um, and it's brilliant to see him as well because, like I said, nine games to go until the World Cup and. I think you could definitely pick Ireland's World Cup squad yeah. now, I would say, apart really? from one. I think so, yeah. I think we've seen it. I think a lot of players have shot themselves in the foot this month and played themselves out of contention, particularly off the back of that Ireland A game. I think it's going to be very tough for certain guys to, to get back in the squad. If you haven't featured barring injury this month I think it's going to be very difficult to, to get into Andy Farrell's plans because what is it 30, 33 man squad um, you can see the nucleus of the starting team is is what the team was basically in New Zealand mm-hmm. and that's what the team is going to be in France as well obviously form will dictate a lot from there from now until we get to France next year but a lot of guys have built up credit I think in the bank of Andy Farrell and a lot of guys have gone the other way So where's Jack Crowley then? What, where does he rank? Well, right now he's third choice because Kieran Frawley is injured. But I, like I said, I still think the Ireland coaches like Kieran Frawley because he can play twelve as well. But maybe they like Jack Crowley because he can play fifteen as well. So um, it'll be very interesting to see how he get how if he gets much game time this mm-hmm. weekend because in this South Africa game, Joey Carberry only got like a token two three minutes at the end when Johnny Sexton basically couldn't walk anymore because of the dead leg that he picked up. So there clearly wasn't a huge amount of trust in Joey Carberry to come on and see out that game because Johnny Sexton is so important. And I'd imagine it'll probably be the same. I mean, in an ideal scenario, even though I don't see it happening because I think a lot of people are underestimating Australia this weekend. But in in an ideal scenario, from an Irish point of view, Ireland are comfortable enough and Jack Crowley comes on after, you know, 55 minutes an hour and and sees out the game. But again, I don't see that happening. I think this Australian team are going to be pretty good. Yeah, I think the a lot of the the narrative is that if they have a, a a bad loss like that one to Italy, they generally bounce back, and this is their their game to bounce back in. Is that the way you, you kind of see it happening? Yeah, like they were outstanding against France the week before, and but for a late Amiens penalty try, they would have beaten France in in Paris, which is no mean feat. As Ireland, you know, found out like if Ireland beat Australia this year, then that game in the Six Nations will be the, the well, apart from sorry, New Zealand will be the you know two games that they've lost this year. So it's bloody difficult to beat this France France team in. in in Paris so I think that's more of a barometer than what we saw last weekend in Florence when they lost to Italy I mean they made a lot of changes I mean a lot of changes again this weekend you're going back to your full strength team so I think as good as they are it's definitely not a vintage uh, Wallabies team they're missing a few guys through injury like a Quaid Cooper but I mean they've got very experienced halfbacks in Nick White and Bernard Foley to, to pull the strings so um, I think some people are underestimating I think I've seen that Ireland are 12 points favourites which you know is pretty like that's for top level test rugby that's a that's a fair margin but I'd be I'd be surprised if Ireland hammered them by over 12 points to be honest So they, you mentioned that uh, Dave Rooney has a lot of he seems to make a lot of changes is that is he preparing for next year like what's he what's happening with Australian rugby that they can't seem to get the consistency and performance and combinations I think yeah like Australia is so hard to figure out you look at their rugby championship campaign and they had one big win one week and then they'd get hammered mm-hmm. the next weekend they're just so so up and down I don't know I think rugby union struggles in Australia a little bit for participation right I think it's down or maybe the fourth maybe fifth sport in Australia when you think of Aussie rules and rugby league and that so uh, I think they struggle um, a lot of lads getting attracted to different sports but he probably is trying to build a bit of depth It's it, they're in a very different situation I suppose that Ireland are when Ireland are humming and they're playing well and you really want to keep that going whereas Australia are kind of scratching around still trying to find their best combinations in terms of their back three their centres um, but there's no doubt like the likes of Will Skelton mm-hmm. 
they have the athletes the, the profile of athletes that Ireland have struggled against in the past now I do think you know that South Africa game was massive in terms of the psyche and the confidence of, of Ireland going forward have gotten one over on uh, a pack that big because they're the type of sides that they've struggled with so um, it'll be interesting to see it's a bit of a cliche which Australia we used to say about France which yeah. French team will turn up but it's, it's kind of like that with Australia now which Australia team are going to turn up yeah and generally you'd have a fair idea what they're going to mm. be like when they're coming to town um Give us a prediction then. I, I think Ireland are, are justifiably favourites for sure. I'm not sure about um, 12 points. Um, but I, I think Ireland should win. Uh, they're in a very, very good place. I wouldn't read too much into the Fiji game or the Fiji performance last weekend. You've got all the settled combinations are back in. You know, when Johnny Sexton plays, he just makes such a big difference as we've seen once again this year. I mean, he's going for World Player of the Year on Sunday at 37. It's just absolutely phenomenal. And we see the drop-off when he's not there. So, um it's potentially going to be his final November international at the Aviva Stadium, although he left the door open slightly. Yeah, we, will it now, do you think? Really? Like, <laughs> no, be, will we be sitting here now in 12 months' time and having the exact same conversation? No, I think I think he will. I think he'll finish up after a World Cup, after he leads Ireland to glory, Marie, in France. Oh, yeah, sure, that's next year as well. <laughs> yeah, Actually, that, very few people do go out in a high, but uh, I guess it would be the perfect mm. exit for him. But unfortunately, it's rare enough that uh, people get fairy tales. Um, so there has been a little bit of a news as well from a provincial point of view Antoine Dupont is going to miss Munster's clash due to suspension yeah so he got a four week ban an initial eight week ban halved for all the mitigation that uh, world rugby process goes through so yeah he got a four week ban for his red card for his tip tackle or not tip tackle but taking out Ches and Colby in the air last weekend um, now he does have 48 hours to appeal that and if he did appeal it and got even a week shaved off that would make him available for, for Munster but I don't know if he will appeal maybe he will but having got already you know halved his ban and he did admit in the disciplinary hearing that he warranted a red card so maybe he'll just take his punishment but yeah that's Munster's first game up on December 11th in Thoman Park so big boost to have mm. one of the best players in the world not available obviously um, Also when it comes to, to bans Razi Erasmus has been hit with another one a too much ban after his latest Twitter rant I was expecting a ban but two matches I mean is it enough of a deterrent to make him stop? Well, like, if, what did he get? A 12-month ban after the line mm. store and didn't make him learn. Yeah. And now they're handing out a two-game ban. It's it's hard to understand rugby's disciplinary process um, at the best of times, to be honest. And I think this is another example of it. Um, like, I am I really like, general what Rassi Rasmus brings to the game. I always enjoy chatting to him, particularly when he comes back over now. We got a chance to sit down with him a couple of weeks ago. But he just does himself no favours at all with this kind of stuff. Um and it's the type of clips that he's showing. Like he showed a, a clip after the Ireland game of Dan Sheehan kicking the ball out of the ruck, which was fair enough. But he also in the same clip, in this exact same incident, see Ecclesi is, is neck rolling Dan Sheehan out of the way. So it's kind of just a bit convoluted in terms of what he's trying. You know what he's trying to get across, and he's saying that he's not directing it at the referees, but it's obviously having a detrimental effect because you know the referees are coming in for abuse and mm-hmm. stuff. So. Given what he did to Leinster, he certainly hasn't learned his lesson in a two-game ban. It's hard to know is he going to learn his lesson from that, is it? I'd say not, somehow. Um, Keen, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to take a very quick break. Uh, do stay with us, though. Plenty more to come. Tony O'Donoghue is in Qatar, and uh, we will also be talking about um, the great Michael Murphy. Game on on 2FM. 45 metres out from the target. Beautifully in there to Murphy. Great shot, great goal! Two minutes and 25 seconds on the clock when he got that. Now, welcome back. The GA landscape is going to look a little bit different next year because there will be no Michael Murphy playing for Donegal. I'm delighted to say that Brendan Deveni joins me now on the line to talk through what a servant Michael Murphy has been to um, Brendan's County, Donegal. Brendan, how are you? Oh, not too bad. Marie, listen, trying to keep the spirits up. It's a day all those Donegal fans just didn't want to hear, but listen, it had to come at some time. But listen, just he, he spoke about his energy and capacity, and, and listen, he was going to know when the time was right, Marie, and the time is now. Yeah, well, that's the, the one thing about him. Like, even his decision making on the pitch was always so immaculate, I'd say, for him. Uh, he, as you said, he, he knew this was the right time. Yeah, well, listen, he had said that he was going to join, you know, Karen O'Rourke and that. So he must have been kind of thinking it over, Marie, but maybe he just had to say that initially. He didn't yeah. maybe want to come out with a statement. But as you said, between his leadership and his free ticking, his, vers- his versatility, 
Um, he was so unselfish, you know, with so many aspects to his game. And I used to argue with people around the country, GA, people about who was the best footballer in Ireland, you know, and they would throw up different names. And I was like, yeah, but can they play the top eight positions? Like Murphy can play the midfield, all the half forward and all the full forward positions, as good as any of them. So you have to say he's the best footballer in Ireland. This was always my argument, to be honest with me. <laughs> he could have played the half back positions as well. He just was a once in a lifetime player. And, and for Donegal, you know, I was always dreading it. It was almost, I used to think of it a bit like Brian O'Driscoll with the rugby whenever we needed something magic you know Murphy would step mm-hmm. up but but I think as I say his leadership and I think what, what affected him was he knew he probably facing Andy a, a tough pre-season that if he was a wee bit of a yard off it I think it affected his whole overall standing because he set the tone off the pitch he set the mm-hmm. tone of training and he set the tone on the pitch now if he wasn't able to come up these own standards which are so high he would have probably affect, that would have affected him as a captain and as a leader as well and I think he just knew I, I need to go now. The time is right. So it, it's it's a sad day, Mary, because he still could have done a job for Donegal. Yeah. There's no doubt in it. But at his high standards, it wouldn't have been good enough. And, and you have to respect that. And you, you totally know where he's coming from, a player of his stature. It's so rare to have somebody who is so universally respected inside, outside his county, all around the country. Um, and as you said as well, it's not for just his football ability. It was the way he carried himself off the pitch as well. He just seems like um, a bit like Seamus Coleman, you know, that kind of perfect guy. Yeah, that's us Donegal guys. We're nice people up here, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but no, Marie, he, he is such a humble touch with him. You know, mm. he's such a nice guy down to earth, very softly spoken for the absolute powerhouse that he was because he'd be so deceiving like that. I remember when he joined training with us years ago and we were out uh, playing a, a, a in-house game and I ran into him. And honestly, God, he was running into a wall. I'd never actually <laughs> felt somebody as hard. He was only 18 then. And I was like maybe 29 or something. I couldn't believe it. This guy, it was kind of arranged a, a Rocky Four with uh, the, the Dolph Lundgren <laughs> uh, situation. I said, this guy, he was just built for me. But in his time in Donegal, I mean, it replicated Donegal's entire history in terms mm-hmm. of, of Ulsters, five Ulsters in all Ireland. And of course, he got his three All-Stars. And of course, he he was part of a, a brilliant club team as well that went from, you know, lower divisions and championships yeah. to, to triple winners. And, you know, Seagerson, of course, nearly won the under-21 All-Ireland as well, kick up a ball away from that. So, listen, everything he, he got involved in, everything lifted. And that immense ability to do that is so much bigger than even his talent on the pitch. It was everything else over and above that. So, you know it's just impossible to replace oh yeah and I, I read something today that he he was in three county finals with his club that they won and he was man of the match in every single one of them imagine that yeah yeah Un- unmarkable and at, at club level you know Marie you, you'd look at him sometimes and, and I remember watching one of those club, club finals and a couple of guys he bounced off him and it really looked like a man maybe playing with under 16s I like I felt sorry for the guys because they just weren't able like he was at another level stepping up from everything so when he was a club sometimes it was just untouchable I mean even this year there's a fantastic picture of him playing championship I think it's Ardran he's plucking a ball out of the sky and there's five players around him and that and he still had that money and I think a lot of us thought we we maybe could get something out of him still and, and the leadership mm-hmm. that he has and all that but as I say I think because of that wee bit of pace and one other wee thing I think is important as well Marie is probably his own, the, the toll on his own body you know I, I haven't heard a lot of yeah. people talk about it but he has been on the go like right across the board from those teams we're saying and listen you have a long life ahead of you know a lot of the GA uh, injuries now come up so if you're going on to another tough pre-season maybe there was something in the background even some of the medical saying here you know m- maybe it's time now just to, to give the body a, a, a break Yeah actually that's what uh, we were talking about at home last night just wondering if there was did someone have a word in his ear and say, Do you know what, you can't keep doing it forever and it's as good time as any. Um, for him to be a leader, right, so you were there when he was there. He said that uh, that you were his hero, so now he's retired. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, that's one of the most humbling things I've ever seen. Be. Maybe, maybe he had a lot of options, but uh, <laughs> listen, do you know what, there's a great picture of Kieran Cunningham has posted her a few times in the star of, I'm, I'm hugging my sister and she's actually pregnant at the time at Crow Park and Murphy's holding my hand and he's about 12. Oh, it's so funny, like, and then fast forward a few years <laughs> and here comes in this this monster of a lad, I don't know what his dad Mick was feeding him, but I'll tell you what, he, he came through as this, as this thoroughbred athlete that was going to change things and I think at Donegal at the time, he's seen the best and the worst of it and I kind of mm-hmm. love that because you know we were a bit of an early team then and he landed in and I think his 
first three seasons, he didn't win a game in Ulster, if memory serves me correctly. I think it was his fourth season where he actually won an Ulster Championship game. So a lot of people forget about that tough start that Murphy had. But if you listen to his interviews, Murray, he often talks about that at almost one of his favourite times because he was such a Donegal fan. He actually looked up to all those guys and loved the fact that he was even in there. So even though we weren't winning and we weren't going, we weren't winning Ulsters, we were playing in some big games and we were, you know, he was he was part of the whole setup. It was such a special time for him. And then of course the next step came, particularly when Jim came in in 2011, mm-hmm. and then the real professional Donegal came in, the the, the no nonsense stuff, and and Donegal really started to excel. So he's seen both sides of it, which is kind of nice as well. And I said in all that time. He was lifting up the club and, you know, he's obviously coached now. He's coached at college level um, at the LAIT. It's now the university there and he's, he's even involved with Glens Valley Miners this year and that. So his life is just a GA. Um, so listen, you're, you're, it's not the end of Michael Murphy by yeah. no stretch. I think you'll have a big input in Donegal GA going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to see uh, where he ends up and, and what he ends up doing because, as you said, he shaped that Donegal team. He has shaped Donegal football uh, for so long and I'd say he's going to play a big part in shape in the future of Donegal uh, football in time as well for him to be a leader so young like how did he do that what was it about him that people would look to somebody of that age somebody who didn't have the experience maybe as the people around him that he was able to um, to set the tone for a, a team being such a young man yeah, well, honestly, he was kind of quiet when he came in first. And you, you see what you'd see him there. He, he is softly spoken in terms of his general demeanour, but he carries weight in a different way in terms of what he says. And I think it was a masterstroke of McGuinness to make him captain because he knew here's a fresh start, a new beginning. And Michael epitomises everything that Donegal want to do. And I think Michael himself is almost like destiny. I mean, I interviewed Anthony Malloy. Uh, he has a book out there just about his time and, and, and so different characters and such a different journey. I mean, Anthony retired a couple of times and then eventually come back and, and the, the Holy Grail in 92. But there was something almost destiny about Michael, even though he had that fairly rough start with Donegal. It's like the stars aligned at that time and that season, particularly in 2012. And listen, obviously Donegal, a brilliant team right across the board. Michael will be the first to say that. You know, no injuries. They played this new style. And it was one of the, the greatest, I suppose, sporting years of all time. And of course, all, all Donegal people have such memories of them two times. But it doesn't seem more fitting that like Grant Malloy is such a daddy of Donegal GA. And, and then Michael comes along. You know, the, the, the fact that they were both captains, there's something very special about that in Donegal. Yeah, well, there's something always special about Donegal football, um, that's for sure, Brendan. And you mentioned 2012, uh, creating memories for Donegal people. I think it, uh, that Donegal team left an impact right around the country and, and gave everybody brilliant memories. And Michael as well, you know, I'd say outside of Donegal, he was a lot of people's favourite footballer too uh, for lots of the reasons that, that you outlined. But for you, what was the most impressive thing about his game? Well, it's it's so hard to it's so hard to pin anything down with him. As I say, he could play literally any position on the pitch. You know, maybe take him out of the full back line, obviously, but he could play any position at any time. His unselfishness and his ability to read the game and his ability to hit pressure freeze as well. A lot of people don't take that on board and long distance freeze. And you come just to expect things from him. So he just had this complete package. And then you had the conundrum as the years went on, where do you play him? Because there was no doubt and he was devastating inside. But he himself knew his influence on the team in terms of shaping the team out midfield, getting their shape in the half back line. And then he could spread the pass inside. So that thing of joining the attack or not joining the attack or as the flow of the game became a real problem for Donegal, getting what was best from Michael, you know, because there was no one better than him out the pitch, but we also needed him inside. So really, his, his, as I say, his unselfishness, his free-taking, his strength and power, and I say his versatility, you know, he just was this awesome uh, uh, player that no one could really tie down and say, irreplaceable really from Dudley Gone. And, you know, it's a big blow to, to Karen O'Rourke coming in, but in many ways, maybe, Marie, it's it's a fresh start again from Dudley uh, uh, and and Michael will be sorely missed, but, you know, things have to move on and we have to find a new Michael Murphy. But as he said, Marie, he's inspired so many uh, young footballers, not just in Donegal, you say all over the country. If you mention it from Donegal, if you say anything about GA, they're going to say Michael yeah. Murphy that first and foremost. So, listen, his effect is, is right across the country, but he certainly, I suppose, uh, inspired a, a whole generation of, of young footballers in Donegal to emulate him. Yeah, I don't remember him looking any different than he did like last season when he retired. Like, what was he like when he came in first? 
<laughs> the, the strains, the strains of county football. Uh, listen, as I say, he was he was like a brick wall. You know, I I couldn't believe honestly, and I, I'm not I'm not saying this, but I couldn't believe when I ran on them. I tried to let on that I wasn't a wee bit wounded because I was like he's only eighteen and I should be tossing him out of the way. So when he came in, he, I don't know what kind of weights program he's on already because we weren't really doing weights. We were kind of half doing them, half not. And as I say, so much changed then very quickly. But that was so right for him because when you think about him, if he had played in the 10 years previous to that, the, his professional and where he was at wouldn't have been matched by, by mm. everybody else. But maybe he would have brought you up to that level, which would have been fantastic. You know, I wish I had played with him from, from a younger age and, 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 and had that. But just to see him come in then, Marie, and once you start playing, you're a fan. And to have the surety of him being on the pitch for me just meant so much all the time. And you could see at times how he would change games and that for Donegal. So his, his impact was massive. But as I say, Marie, if he's talking about energy and capacity and that, you know, you have to say that his timing is right then because mm -hmm. otherwise he's maybe like someone darting around him to get a ball and racing up the pitch and maybe causing a problem and that would kill him inside. Yeah. So I think if he's feeling that way, then the time is right, you know, as much as we, we would love him to stay on. Yeah, and knowing him as well, like you're talking about the decision-making, he's probably analysed clips, looked at things, assessed his own game and decided to do what's best for the county of Donegal as opposed to the what's best for Michael Murphy. One thing that I, I loved reading uh, his interview today um, was that he spoke about... Uh, his last game for Donegal and, and how disappointed he was but been in the car with his mum and dad and driving back home and he just painted this lovely picture of of the simplicity of of football and, and Gaelic games and how it all kind of goes back to the it starts and ends with the same thing it starts with your mum and dad putting you in the car driving you to training and then for it to end like that for him as well he kind of knew that, that that was it I just thought that was lovely and um, it just summed up really what it meant to him yeah, you're bringing a tear to my eye here. Oh Maria. gosh, that's, sorry. Look at it. Everybody's done the for the tissues. Even Daniel O'Donnell was coming there. He's probably gonna, he's probably penning a song now for for Murphy. But Marie, I, I think what you're touching on there is a very valid point that. You know, no matter what, you know, you go through uh, football times and, and everybody looks to say, you know, big games or big ones and championships and that. But the reality is that's such a tiny part of it. And, and you know, the, the camaraderie and, and the, the training and there's such that like, that's 90, 95% of it is everything else. So unless you're enjoying that and you're feeling mm -hmm. that and that's all part of it, you know, you're working towards something. And I think Michael was so aware of that and, and, and of all people, was so embedded in it. Like I yeah. played with so many footballers, and they were they were into it, and they were into it in the season and in the off season, whatever. And you know they could take or leave it if they were beat. You know, a couple of pints and here away we go. You know, but whereas Michael, it just was complete heart and soul. And I think that effect everybody could see that. So if you have a brilliant player that feels like that and is your captain, you can imagine then when he's talking and setting the tone and saying, right boys, this is the way it is and this is what's going to happen and we're going to do this. You know, everybody's listening. Yeah. So that, 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 that is a magic thing to have on the pitch off the pitch training you know and I think that's that's what Michael Murphy was Yeah such a colossus uh, before we finish up Brendan we've a couple of texts in people wondering what you think of Donegal's new management team headed by Paddy Carr yeah, listen, we've got, to get, we've got to get behind them. Um, I, I'm really disappointed with the rhetoric around Dyke and Boner. And I've, I've, when I've had time, I've challenged people, mm -hmm. you know, about Boner and, and, the, and the team and different teams that we played and, and what exactly do you want and who do you think and what would you have done? And I'll tell you what, I mean, you don't be long calling people out, you know. I mean, there's, there's such a, there's, it's such a huge argument to try and blame a manager uh, for, for, for results. You know, you've got to really look at the opposition, the game, the tactics, the players you have in your disposal, you know, the injuries you might have. It's such a massive thing. And I'm not I'm not saying you couldn't, you can't be critical of a manager. Of course not. But it was just the attitude towards it and particularly Boner, you know, like Murphy, just giving their life to football. It just it made me a bit sad inside, mm -hmm. you know, and I just hope, I just hope now, it's a big thing right, for Karen O'Rourke to come in here now and, we got to get back to to supporting teams and 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 sure being critical and be disappointed and you know you, you can get that but really you know these lads are training 
giving their lives and if a game goes against them, game goes against them. if you kick away do you kick away yeah. you didn't want to do that so I, I think as much I think people have got very uh, um, sore uh, 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 on social media on, on everything attacks and I think Declan Bonner himself was, was so disappointed with the way that ended and I really feel bad about that as a Donegal person so I think all we can do now going forward is listen I really would thank Declan for, for everything he's done which is the body work in Donegal is only uh, McNuff's the only person ahead of him, you know, we second to that there. So for Karen O'Rourke coming in, we, we got to get behind him and, and really Donegal need a bit of an overhaul and, and those guys need time, Emery. So listen, we're, we're, we're going to need another uh, uh, interesting season. So I, I think for the two guys, they have to give them time and their own stamp and replacing Michael is a massive thing yeah. uh, they have to get right first, first and foremost. Yep. That is for sure. It's going to be interesting times ahead for a lot of counties, including Donegal. Brendan, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, great. Talk to you soon. Game on on 2FM. Now, welcome back. It is time to turn our attention to football and I am delighted to say that we are going to cross over to Qatar where Tony O'Donoghue is standing by. Tony, how are all things in Qatar? It's um, it's building up nicely, Marie. Yeah, um, I'm only beginning to notice in the last uh, 24 hours, really, that uh, fans are starting to arrive because we've been here since Monday, and uh, it was a little bit unreal, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. they're they're gearing up. Um, they've got a brand new metro system. They've got new roads. They've got seven newly built stadiums and uh, the old stadium that was uh, already there. Uh, the place is looking well. But, of course, there's an awful lot of concerns uh, about how they were even awarded the, the mm-hmm. tournament in the first place. And uh, then, you know, there's there's issues about human rights and, uh, you know, the tragedy of uh, how many workers lost their lives in the building of all this infrastructure. It's an amazing place. It really is. People say that it's a, a small country, the smallest country ever to host a World Cup, the first time a Gulf state, the first time an Arab nation hosted the World Cup. But it feels like rather a large city rather than a small country. And there's, you know, Huge skyscrapers, traffic chaos, unbelievably. And when the 1.2 million uh, visitors, uh, and maybe even more, uh, do descend on here this weekend, uh, you know, will the metro be able to, to take mm-hmm. it? Will the roads be able to take it? Already it's uh, it's clogged up. So it's going to be an interesting World Cup on so many levels, that's for sure. Is it very hot over there? Oh my goodness, it really is, yeah. <laughs> um, we, we went this morning, uh, myself and cameraman Owen Corcoran, to uh, what's an amazing stadium, actually. I mean, we were doing a piece on the environmental impact of, mm-hmm. uh, of this World Cup here because they're claiming that it will be carbon neutral. I'm not so sure about that. Uh, but this particular stadium, Stadium 974, is, uh, is made out of... Um, basically sort of uh, port cabins if you like uh, that's the it, it will basically be dismantled disassembled after the tournament and then it will be it will be recycled if you like it'll be it'll oh. be shipped off to a, an, another country and uh, that's part of their journey towards sustainability they're saying uh, but anyway we went up there around lunchtime this time which is a, it will be equivalent to the the 10 o'clock in the morning match you know what's coming up soon we'll be watching four mm-hmm. matches a day for the early part of this tournament so this would have been around the, the 10 o'clock in Ireland mark and it was 33 degrees oh, and the, the sun was, was was boiling down so I know nobody wants to hear the world's biggest uh, small violin here uh, I mean it's it's, it's wonderful to have travelled out to, to get first hand a look at the place but yes it's going to be very hot now the the players uh, whatever else might be on their minds in, in, in terms of you know the morality of hosting this World Cup here or the qualms they might have about, about human rights uh, they certainly won't be able to complain about about the stadiums the playing mm-hmm. surfaces or even the you know there's the eight stadium and then there's the I think, I think it's 130 other training grounds for all the different uh, teams and team bases and, and what they have to do uh, but if you are on the environmental piece think about how much water is needed to keep that grass green and to keep all those pitches the, the match pitches and the training pitches uh, ready for this tournament and they have they have dummy pitches already growing in, in, in other areas as well basically well, like, what an extraordinary folly this is whatever has been needed money has been thrown at it uh, no but that's, that's for good or ill remains to be seen so you know it, it, it is going to be a fascinating World Cup there's no doubt about that and, and very very unusual and I have to say Marie uh, you know I'd been told this in advance uh, the Qatar 
Harry's have been most, most welcoming. And the migrant workers, I mean, you know, I've met quite a lot of Irish people out here. Uh, migrant workers weren't all in the, you know, construction industry building stadia. Uh, there's quite a lot of them, um, you know, in, in finance, in banking, mm-hmm. in, in, in law and whatever. And uh, there's a, a Qatar GA club, which uh, which has very be, been very successful recently. <laughs> might get a game, so there's a Tony. lot of Irish out here. I might get a game, although I wouldn't want to play at the uh, the uh, 10 o'clock in the morning Irish time, the, the lunchtime game. I'd, I'd, I'd wait until the sun goes down. I have to say, I'm looking forward to now sending the kids off to school on, a, on, on next week in the mornings and just saying to them, look, lads, off to school. I've got to work today. I've got a match at 10, a match at 1, a match at 4. Uh, can you make your own lunches there? Um, it's, a sh- it's a shame, though, isn't it, Marie? That the kids can't be off to see it yeah. because that was one of yeah. the one of the things in in all our our youth and all our memories of World Cups where you might come in out of the sunshine to watch a TV in a darkened room. You're so uh, right, yeah. You know, in in the midst of summer sunshine, and and when you are of a particular age where you've been collecting the stickers and you don't care or you don't know or want to know about all the other issues surrounding this World Cup, uh, which are a bit too complicated for your young mind. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, you know. That's not going to happen. Although I, I know already, and I'm sure you know as well, in school, all the kids are talking about it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's been a slow burner. And I think because of all the issues surrounding it, people aren't aren't sure how to feel about about this particular mm-hmm. tournament. But I think once it does get, get started, I mean, there's so many storylines. Uh, there's so many... Uh, you know, possible outcomes that it's going to be going to be very interesting. It will. Stephen Elliott is with us as well. And Stephen, uh, one of my children asked me a question today that I couldn't answer, and you might be able to answer it for me. He said, "Will Ireland get to a World Cup in my lifetime?" Now he's ten. Um, I said, "I don't know." They're playing Norway. I said tonight. We can see after that. What do you reckon? <laughs> Listen, it's a hard question to, to answer that, isn't it? Like, with, with, with uh, full confidence. You'd like to think so, wouldn't you? That's all you could say. Hopefully over the course of the next next uh, 50 years, I presume. I don't know. What is he? You hope he lives for a long time. He might get to see us there again. Yeah, I hope so as well. Um, let's have a look at, t- at tonight, though. They are playing uh, Norway down in the Aviva Stadium. No Erling Haaland, but it's quite a, a strong Ireland team, it seems. Anyway, Stephen. Yeah, it's just looking at the team. There's a couple of surprises for me. I'm I'm a little bit surprised Robbie Brady didn't start after after he, after uh, scoring the winner uh, the last time round as well. I just thought kind of easing him back in. He's been playing regularly for Preston. I think he's the one player Ireland have. I know he's he's probably not at the age of player that Stephen is kind of looking to go forward with. But I just think he he uses quality he uses quality in class and. He's somebody that I think can, can manage the ball and take the ball in and take a bit of pressure off the team when you need that to have that possession, especially at home. And I was a little bit surprised not to see him in the starting lineup. But obviously, Stephen Kenny's always mentioned he's a big fan of Callum O'Dowd and he's been playing regularly now at Cardiff alongside um, Colin Robin- Robinson. So it'll be interesting to see how O'Dowd does after not kind of not. I don't think he's played for Ireland in a few years or started the game anyway. So all eyes will be on him tonight. He he's, he's got ability. We've seen before in, in in some games for Ireland where he's performed, but for one reason or the other he kind of he kind of stagnated a little bit but he has an opportunity tonight now to show everybody that he's still capable of kind of affecting games internationally Tony I know you're not here at the moment but you would always have a, such a strong handle on, on things anyway uh, Evan Ferguson is uh, somebody that's been getting a lot of headlines over the last few days do you think we're going to see him play? I think it would be an ideal opportunity. I mean, isn't he going to be our Erling Haaland of the future? <laughs> um, we hope. He's, he's, got, he's, got, he's got great potential, but I always uh, warn against hyping players. I've just done it, haven't I? But just hyping players <laughs> of such an age. But this fella, since the earliest uh, moments, has, has looked like he's, he's got the makings. Um, you know, he, he's got the talent uh, at his feet, but he's got the physique as well. He can take the ball in. He can hold up the play. Um, so you know why not now? Uh, it's 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 a game against Norway who are under strength. Uh, the opportunity for him to play in front of a decent crowd at the Aviva Stadium uh, will only add to his football education. Uh, and it's a position because uh, you know we're we're without Troy Parra, we're without uh, Adamida. It's a position that we could actually look at trying to get uh, options for us uh, into the future. And you'd like to think and you'd like to hope that uh, Evan Ferguson is going to have a. a proper career in the game uh, and, and go to flourish and be with us for a long, long time. 
Yeah, he seems like uh, he seems like he has everything that he, all the tools that he needs anyway. So it would just be great to see um, to see him at this level. Uh, so just on the starting eleven that uh, was named just a few minutes ago. So Gavin Bazunu, Matt Doherty, Darrow O'Shea, John Egan, Josh Cullen, Callum Robinson, Alan O'Brien, Michael Obafemi, Nathan Collins, and Jason Jason Malumbi and Callum O'Dowda. So he has gone really strong there. Um, as expected, really, because there are going to be 40,000 people down there, Stephen, and they, they're they playing a Norway team. It doesn't have Haaland on it, but it does have Odegaard in there, and he's somebody now that everybody knows um, so well from watching him play in the Premier League. But at this stage, you would hope that we're going to get a performance from Stephen. Yeah, I think so. I think, obviously, with the, with the draw for the qualification now in the new year, you know, it's a really tough group, and... Not many people will expect us to, to qualify from that, but it's, it's, a, it's a chance now for this Ireland team to kind of put a stamp down and these, pl- these, these players to show Stephen that they can play together as a team because we'll, whenever, whenever these games come along, like we, we're going to have to be an actual team and kind of together and they're going to have to be players that, that play well together because to get results against the likes of, kind of France, the Netherlands, you, you're going to have to perform as well as you can on the day and hopefully they, they might have an off day. But to do that, you need to kind of have that that recognition of who's playing in front of you like partnerships all over the pitch obviously he's gone with Callum Robinson up front with Michael Obafemi can they kind of click a little bit the way Obafemi and Troy Parrott did before Parrott's injury it's a chance for Robinson as well I would have liked him to see maybe Ogbeni in there I just feel he's, he's got that kind of electricity about him that can kind of lift the place and that but there's, there's options I'm sure we'll see Stephen make a lot of changes as well during the game and give give people people a run out to show them to show them what, what they're capable of. But yeah, I think it's it's important we get a performance. There's always pressure on Ireland games, especially for Stephen, because it hasn't gone as well as probably he would have liked since he's been in charge. So every game is really important for him, and I think the performance more so than the result will be what people are looking at now. Tony, I'd love to see Smallbone get a get a, a run as well because I think he could be uh, so influential. He's already shown it at under twenty one level, um, and the sort of player that we need a little bit of creativity in that midfield area. Obviously, Josh Cullen, our Player of the Year, uh, has made himself indispensable. But we need another type of player, a player who can unlock a key, um, who, who can actually you know bring the game forward, bring the team further up the pitch. Uh, and I'd love to see him get an opportunity because we know what Hendrick can do um, we know what McLean can do to an extent we know what Brady can do as well but you know for me a small bone getting an opportunity tonight uh, and Ferguson that would be that would be worthwhile Okay, well, that uh, is going to be on RT Radio 1 Extra from 7.30, so do uh, tune into that um, a little bit later on. Tony, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Qatar. Stephen Elliott as well, thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the game. We'll talk to you both very, very soon. Um, A little bit earlier in the show, we gave you a chance to win a pair of tickets for Ireland versus Australia this weekend by asking you to name the current Ireland coach. The answer is, of course, Andy Farrell. And our winner today, thanks to Aldi, is Gillian Sweeney from Offaly. That is all we have time for. Do join us tomorrow because we're going to have a full World Cup preview here on the show. For now though, that's it. Betty De Silva is up next. RTE 2FM